Welcome back to the Deposit That Podcast. Today I'm sitting here with uh, an Instagram friend that for the longest time I swore she was just 100% Japanese. So I saw this like requested, request this person to be your friend thing on Instagram back in the day when I had that. And it was like, okay. it was like H-I-I-M-K-Y-R-A. I'm like, is that like a Japanese restaurant? And you're like, no, it's not. It's actually, hi, I'm Kira. Yeah. So tell us about that Instagram name and where it came from. I'm otherwise known as Heem Kira which people like, or he Kyra, that's the Japanese side. It came up, so my my Instagram handle was always just my name, and then... Just Kira? It was like my full name, Kira Huxle, and then it became like cool to change it. Everyone was doing different names, and I had a friend who became a blogger, influencer, and it was like, you know what? I need a cool nickname, too. (laughs) You felt peer pressure? I felt peer pressure from, like, the influencer world, and I couldn't come up with anything, and I realized that whenever I introduce myself to people, I go, hi, I'm Kira. (laughs) A lot of people will introduce themselves with their full name, but I'll always only say, hi, I'm Kira wherever I am. I like that. So I just kind of came up with it, and then it kind of became my thing. And now I actually note in my mind how often I say, hi, I'm Kira. So I see T-shirts like, hi, I'm Kira. Like, <laughs> I'm gonna, yeah, I'm going to get it made for sure. <laughs> Tell us a little bit about how you got into real estate. I think everyone wants to learn how somebody who's young and still yeah. living their life is still also able to manage you know, the uh, anxiety of a real estate career. So I kind of fell into it. I was 21. I left the restaurant world and I had no job and no degree and that was <laughs> no, it. like nothing. I had literally nothing now. And I had gone on a lot of marketing interviews, advertising interviews, hotel interviews, restaurant interviews. And I kept getting job offers. And it was just because I was like good at interviewing and I talking and they liked that I had had experience before and I had this cool story that I didn't go to college and they were like you're perfect because we don't have to pay you as much you're not Um, qualified yeah I'm not really qualified but I am so I kind of fell into it I was the guy I was seeing at the time his best friend was a developer in Jersey City and whenever we would hang out I'd be like What's going on with that property? It's on Sussex. It's so overpriced. Is that like you hitting on like, him or is that like it's serious? No, interest? that was like to his friend. <laughs> and he'd be like, Here, can you not like annoy me, like annoy yeah, him about, about real estate yeah. and work? And I would always like talk to him about it. And then I'd, you know, go to my parents and be like talking to them about it because we were always talking about real estate in the area because five years ago, Jersey City kind of had this pop. And everything was selling so fast and there were tons of open houses and it was a huge market. And my mom was just like, why don't you do that? And it happened. Five years ago, you were a kid. I mean, what, (laughs) 20, right? 19, 20, right? (laughs) No, so I got into it when I was 21 Mm -hmm. officially or 21, 22 is when I got my license. And I just kind of dove in. I think it's a hard market where we are. Everyone's a realtor. Um, there are thousands. Everyone wants to be a realtor. Yeah. Well, everyone yeah. is a realtor. <laughs> right. It's so they easy. All have their license. Everyone has their license, and if like you can't pass the exam, like I'm concerned. Right. <laughs> it's like, like a, a rock, very a common yeah. sense yeah. Yeah. exam. You should just be able to pass it. So everyone can pretty much pass the exam if they have, you know. They say there's more licensed realtors in Hudson County than there are properties. Is that true? Yes, (laughs) 100%. Keller's office in Hoboken, in Hoboken itself is like 3,000 agents. It's insane. 
It's crazy. There are thousands of agents. You literally meet new agents every day. I've been in like at least 10 Ubers every (laughs) year where they're like, I'm getting my license. All Uber drivers are upgrading to upgrading to real real estate estate. because they're like talking to people and they know the area because they drive it every day. Sure. I actually had a friend that was an actor, an aspiring actor. He was an Uber driver and he got his real estate license. So he was like, oh, I'm going to like try and like get people to like me and follow me for my acting career. Yeah. Sell them real estate and have them tip me for Uber. Completely. Why not do it? That's the other thing. So, like, I'm super passionate about homes. I've always gone to open houses since I was, like, 15. It was just one of those things that I did. And specifically, my dad and I would, like, request to see homes on Trulia that were, like, $2 million just for fun. What do you think of of people like that now, though? (laughs) I hate them. But, like, I was that asshole being like, hey, can we see the home in an hour? Yeah. It's two million dollars in the great pool. Yeah, in the hour, please. The shoveled like housewife showed up, like fumbling her keys. Yeah, yeah, yeah. (laughs) And and you know, it's a funny thing because everyone is a realtor, but then there are the realtors who are you know, like when you talk to them, that they truly just have their license because someone told them to do it, and it's easy, or it's like, oh, I can sell a property to my friend randomly once a year. Which a lot of people do. So many people do that. Yeah. A lot of people say to me, like, I'll ask them, well, why are you getting your real estate license? They're like, well, my mom wants to buy a property. She wants to use me. I'm like, what? Like, you know, it's that's funny. not a good reason. You this know? is such a great. And actually, your mother's dumber than you are because you don't know what you're doing. She's telling you this yeah. is okay. So my parents are in the process of buying like a shore house that's like the forever home. Okay. Like, They will pass down to us. It will be in the family forever. Like, it's just going to be that spot. They're not using me because they were already working with someone else. And they're, like, very respectful of that. And they said, they were like, you don't know the area as a realtor. And I was like, oh, my gosh. Were you, like, offended? I'm super offended. Because I keep keep telling them the seller pays the commission and they're like, they're pulling the like by using the listing agent as both sides. Get a deal. We'll get a better deal card. And I'm like, Yeah, you're right. You can at least get a referral fee, right? <laughs> Refer them to the listing agent. You still get something. My dad will be like, Maybe I'll bring you into the negotiation table. I'm like, <laughs> Okay, thanks, dad. Yeah. <laughs> sure. I mean, that, that's part of how people have like the wrong idea of real estate and dealing with realtors, right? Now, listen, I do agree that in some cases, Bad realtors have given people better deals, right, if they go direct to them yep. because then they go back to their seller, negotiate mm-hmm. a lower commission because they're getting a lower price and they're mm-hmm. doubling up. Yeah. But that actually ruins the fiduciary responsibility, right, to the buyer Yep. because if a seller has a signed agreement with the owner, right, and the listing agent, there's a lot of there's a conflict. Yeah. So Everywhere. What, what's your opinion on that? I mean, your mom and dad did it to you and you witnessed <laughs> I it. I know. This is horrible. <laughs> My opinion of that is so I'm a very honest realtor, and I've always which is very few and far between. Which is very few and far between. I've always been told that by clients. I've been the person that gets on the phone with like a referral from like a friend or a past client, and they're like, "We really want to see this property. We saw it on Trulia, but so and so told us to you know contact you first. Blah blah blah." So I do my research and I'm like, okay, so what are you looking to do? And they're like, I've got 300K. I want to purchase something, have income coming on. And I'm like, okay, well, your taxes, your HOA, this is the rent that you can get. You're not even, it's not even going to appreciate in five years. It doesn't make sense. And it's not worth either of our time. And they're like, wow, 
really? I'm like, yeah, we know you most shouldn't buy it. Most realtors don't know what an HOA even is, right? <laughs> like, yes, like, HOA, they do. they're like, what is that? <laughs> yes. What does that stand for? In our area, they do. <laughs> right. But yeah, they're like, oh, like, I really appreciate you telling me. I'm like, I wouldn't tell you to purchase something that I wouldn't purchase with my own cash. Now, did you learn that? Did somebody instill that into you? Like, it was either your parents, your boss, your person that was a mentor, um, or yourself? Mentors and bosses. So my broker and... My mentor are developers. They've never done real estate to make money, sell property. They've always done it because they're passionate about development and home home building and stuff like that. They're like actually doing it more yeah. on the developer side, good, but just happen to be brokers yeah. and yeah. realtors. So they never like when we go into listing presentations, they're like, I can sell your home. This is what it's actually worth. So and so is gonna come in here and tell you it's worth twice that amount, but it's not. And I'm okay telling that to you. And here's the information and analytics basically backing my pricing. Yeah, numbers don't lie. And numbers don't lie. And at the end of the day, they literally go in and they're like, mm, I don't really need your commission. Right. I would love to help you sell your home, but I don't need to. So talk about the money factor, right? Ver- like, okay, yeah. someone who's desperate is going to say, hey, your property's worth more than it is because they need that listing in order mm-hmm. to collect the money to pay mm-hmm. their bills. Versus somebody that doesn't need it, that gives the honest information. And what's the consumer feedback one way or another? It goes both ways. So you've seen both sides. Yeah. <laughs> Uh-oh. You ready for this? The suspense. So I have a family friend who I listed their home when I first became a realtor. A beautiful Weehawken home. And they're never going to listen to this. Huh? So it doesn't matter. Beautiful Weehawken home. I went in there. I did my research, my comps, but my mentor came with me who was a developer. He just came to like back everything because he's been in the industry for- I believe in the- Male female partnership in business because yeah. they hit both angles. He has no bedside manner, mm-hmm. so like clients kind <laughs> of get a little turned off by him because he's so aggressive. Then and then they're it. like, "But Kira's cool. Yeah, she's sweet. She's sweet. <laughs> she's not gonna like lie to us." Right. So yeah, so we went in. Great meeting. We basically told them their home was worth one one seven five. Okay. Okay. That's one million one hundred and seventy five thousand yep. dollars for anyone that's wondering. We'll have it pop up on the YouTube yeah. channel. I'll show you the number. They were convinced that their home, which was beautiful, but had like, you know, Viking appliances that hadn't been treated well over time and sub-zero appliances that hadn't been treated well over time. So it's not worth a sub-zero appliance. Like you'd be perfectly fine with like a basic stainless steel fridge because this fridge is damaged. They were convinced that their home was worth 1.3, which is- Not too far off though. mm, 10%, 10%, like, 10% plus or minus. But like we're not, they yeah. were like, it's worth 1.3. And two other- Was that re- typically we're not taking less than 1.3? Basically. Ugh. Two other realtors told them it was worth 1.3. Yeah. We had all of the figures backing why it was not worth 1.3. Like in every here. way. Yeah. This home didn't even have a true master suite. So a fake three-bedroom home. It's like a two-bedroom with a closet. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> we're listed- <laughs> at your number? At their number, 1299. And we said, we'll give it a week, two weeks, and then we'll bring it down. Right. And then we hold it for those of you that don't know, it sells, if it's priced right, it sells overnight. It sells really quick. And this is a beautiful area. single family home, yep. driveway, detached garage. You know, I think it was like 35 by 70, like a, a beautiful lot with a backyard, side yard, all of that. It could be turned into a $1.3 million property with, with 1175. <laughs> I got them 125. 
I got them one two five with a sales contingency of their home in Hoboken. Wow. I didn't get sorry, I didn't get it. It was another realtor brought it to okay. us. And they didn't like that I had a sales contingency, so they kind of like foo-fooed it. And then we went back and forth and they basically declined the offer. Hmm. And it sat on the market for another period of time. There was a lot of like conflict and we ended up actually firing them as our client. I love hearing that. I love when professionals fire clients. Literally on the phone had to be like, was it you or your non-bedside mannered partner? We were both on the phone and I was the one that said, I am perfectly happy. You're comparing the way we operate to the way you've been told other people operate. And that's just not how we work. And I'm perfectly happy if you'd like to move on with someone else. Love it. And that's your prerogative. And we actually have like a lot of realtor companies have like a non-binding clause sure. where it's like, if you're not happy with your services, go. Okay. We're not going to trap you. So they ended up relisting for just, I forget what it was. It was like one, two, seven, five. And it sat on the market again with that person that told them it was worth 1.3. I love hearing that too. Sat on the market, sat on the market, <laughs> sat on the market. It sold for one, one, seven, five, wow. eight months later. So that was like a pat on my back. What made the commission loss better was the fact that I didn't have to deal with them for sure. th- those like six months. It. It. That it wasn't worth, like there was so much stress because I was like, I'm disappointing family, friends. They're, they're never going to talk to me again, but like it's not worth this. And how, and that's the other thing as a realtor, you basically tell people that this home that they have in their eyes isn't perfect, is this huge it's them right in the brain. You need a therapist yeah. with you. <laughs> Seriously. <laughs> you need a therapist with. It's like a therapy session. It's They're, like telling someone their kid is ugly. It's like your kid's ugly. My house is not as good as I think it is. That is so true. Yeah, or like their kid's not smart. Right, or not good enough for sports. Yeah, whatever. yeah. Can't um, read. <laughs> oh, completely. They had this vision of their home being this masterpiece, and it wasn't. And because of where it was, it was near masterpiece homes that they, in their minds, has had warped weren't as good as theirs because it was their home. There was always the best. So, you know, sitting down with people and and telling them, you know, you don't have a true master suite that can't compare to that home. Like, who's buying a single-family home without a master suite? Now, what percentage of people do you think that you meet with to list their properties are very far unreasonable? Reasonable and very reasonable. We're like, they listen to 100%. What percentage would you break that down to? It's like a 50-50. Serious, really? Yeah. I'm impressed by that number. It's like a 50-50. So some people actually know what's going on. Some people are just very clueless. Yeah. I've not worked on a lot of sale side listings, to be very honest. Um, Deal with more buyers? I deal with more buyers and I have more rental listings. But even when it comes to those, I've worked with a lot of landlords who are understanding of the market or can be a little bit like, I need to rent this ASAP. So what number can we list it for that will get it rented ASAP? So do you feel like because the market has shifted a little bit, or it's mm-hmm. a lot of it, but a for a little bit. bit in the rental market, are landlords now starting to pay the broker fees? Whereas before <laughs> all... I'm in the midst of one of those right now. Are you? No. <laughs> I, mean, wait, wait, I mean, that's so, what I hear is happening now. I work with a lot of renters who are friends or friends of friends. And I always tell them I'll always try to negotiate the fee because I don't want them having to pay me all right. the time. I do that for anyone regardless. I'll, I will always say, hey, like you love this place. 
and they're like totally willing to pay the fee, I'll be like, let me try to let me try to see so if you're they can. A charity too. Yeah, <laughs> I am Kieran. I run a charity. So <laughs> it is. Let me try. And most of the time they do. Sometimes they don't. Again, that's very fifty fifty. I find that in the current market, like. Anything that I list that's like a luxury apartment for rent, I'll overprice on like another level. And I always tell the landlord that. I'm like, what do you want to get? Okay. you. I had this recently. You want to get – you'll be happy with 36. So I'm going to try to get you 37. I'm going to list for 38. And I'm going to say, hey, we can work – we can work with you when people see the apartment. That's Does that make all- people feel like they're getting a deal? Yeah. 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 Good strategy. That's only because as an agent – on the other side, people have a budget of $2,000. i will show them $2,200 places because I know that there's room to negotiate depending on how long it's been on the market. And number two, if they're not rushing to move, there's a chance that listing will sit and drop regardless. I think of like renting now the same as purchasing a home. And negotiating and all the all Negotiating other. all the, yeah, all of it. Whereas before, you know, a year or two years it ago, you could it, it was the opposite, right? Yeah. Take it, it, take it or leave it. Yeah. So, do you continue to see rent prices come down? Yes. Because of inventory or new top product, what? Inventory. A lot of the luxury rental buildings are now becoming four, five, and six years old, and then the newer ones are taking over that market because turnover. So, if you signed an apartment four years ago with two-year leases. They've still upped you. So now you're paying over market rent for your one bedroom in a four-year-old building because they've always upped your rent. I'm talking like luxury rental buildings. You can then go and move into a newer rental building that'll offer you one month free, two months free on a so-and-so year lease, move there and probably pay the same amount that you were paying there because they just kept upping you in your old home. So when would you recommend somebody to look at their lease and say, as an example, I got into this place when it was 3000 Now I'm paying 3400 four years mm-hmm. later, whatever number is. But if I move and go back to paying 3000 which is saving $400 a month, right? Mm-hmm. Or $4,800 a year. But the cost of moving, the pain in the balls it is to move yeah. and like, you know, uprooting either yourself, your family, your kid, whatever. How do you analyze that to see what makes the most amount of sense? I think people are scared to negotiate with their landlords. Serious? Yeah. Really? I feel like everyone wants to negotiate today. No, when they've been there for two years, they're scared to be like, hey, the market dropped. I don't want to move, but I'm overpaying now. So can we drop this? And then guess what? You're still getting rent on time. You don't have to relist the apartment. You don't have to paint it. No vacancy. No vacancy. You're getting a little bit less, but that's the market. I think that's one of the things out there. I've always tried to push people to do, especially if they – have been in an apartment for two, three years. They feel like they've been upped $50 per year. They're a good tenant. And now they're seeing places with me. But what they're seeing with me, it's like, oh, I'm going to have to move. That's one of the first conversations I have with renters. Why don't you negotiate with your current landlord? So a lot, of people, Even though I can make that money. <laughs> I'm very smart. honest. Yeah, tell them the truth. <laughs> so a lot of people, as you know, Hudson County is a very non-committal area, right? In all very. aspects of life, personal, business, mm-hmm. whatever. So what do you do with that person that can afford to buy, right, but chooses not to and does rent a luxury apartment, right? Mm-hmm. What do you do with that person? Do you try and eventually convince them, okay, well, you don't have to live in here for forever. You can turn it into an investment rental property, or do you just let them take that high-end rental for a couple of years? I think it depends on the person. I'm not 
about to force someone into buying a home because I think that they should. Mm-hmm. We're also in a market where, and I have this conversation all the time, where it's kind of cheaper to rent right now. Definitely is, completely. And you can get a luxury rental for twenty six, twenty seven hundred for like a nice one bedroom, but sure. like that one bedroom in a luxury building, that's like a condo luxury building, that's basically identical to that is like nine hundred thousand. So it's absurd. Like with views or yeah, stuff sure. like that. It's sure. like this taxes are high, HOAs are high. So in an inflated market, and if you're not gonna be there a while, I do suggest just renting, especially in like a downtown neighborhood or Hoboken. If Plus you don't have to lay out the down payment. Yeah. On top of it, you have no idea where the market's going. In right. fact, I mean, the market's dropped in the past. In downtown in Hoboken, it's 20 pretty, or 30%. Yeah. it's And it's scary. Like there's no inventory, but there's also no buyers. Right. Or the buyers just aren't buying. Right. Um, or they're going somewhere more affordable. They're going somewhere more affordable. And people are... There was like a movement probably a couple years ago where it was like millennials were like, let me buy. I'm 20, I'm 28. Like, let me buy a home in a year. Like, put money aside. The amount of money you're putting up front to then not get back in return, to then have like a rental property that you don't even want to manage. I always tell people that too. If in five years you want to sell, don't buy in this area. If in five years you want to rent it, do you want to be a landlord? Because that's the whole movement in our air in Jersey City is like, oh, I'm going to buy this and I'll rent it out in five years. Well, do you know what it's like to be a property manager? Do you want to be a landlord? Do you want to be chasing down people? Do you want to be fixing things? It's something to think about. Have you ever wanted to do that? Do you think you're just going to be collecting rent every month? And not doing anything. Yeah. Which we know is not true. Yeah, which is not true. So I think in the area... I would not personally buy in Jersey City right now. If I were to buy, I'd buy like a dilapidated single family or multifamily and I'd fix it up and hold it for myself depending on where my life takes me in the next 10 years. But I wouldn't buy a condo and that's just because I just don't know if it's worth it for with the market. And, I mean, maybe a condo that I would renovate. There's also a lot of new units coming to the market. So it's kind of like, well, That's why buy something thing. existing when there's something brand new right yeah. around the corner? So I have a friend that overpaid for a condo before I was a realtor <laughs> in Hoboken. Right. And he paid like five twenty five four years ago. It's not worth five twenty five right now. And even if renovated, it's worth five twenty five maybe. And I told him, we had this whole conversation which I was like a little bit of pat on my back. Like, oh, that was an intelligent comment. (laughs) The building is older. So if he renovates his unit and it's super modern and it's cool, it's still not going to hold enough value because the building is older. The hallways are older. It's still an old building. So just because you slap some makeup on something is not going to make it sell for any more than if you just did like, Minor. Yeah, they always like put makeup on a pig. You know that's what they do inside. <laughs> yeah, they'll like you know slap some modern furniture and like nice countertops. But then if your floor is like old hardwood floor, I'm confused. Right, it doesn't make sense. Yeah. So I told him I was like, do the minor things, change appliances, 
you know, maybe paint a little bit and do this and that, but don't do anything too major where you're shelving out money for a brand new beautiful kitchen that just won't sell in the long run. You're throwing good money at bad money. Yeah, no. So I, when I bought my first place in the Heights, I wound up going into contract on the unit that's next door attached to it, I told you about. And I have a rent-to-own option, right? Mm -hmm. So I was like, oh, this is good. I'm getting it for a lot. I'm getting Mm -hmm. it for 20% more than I paid for my first property I bought in the Heights, right? So I bought it for $350. Now I'm in contract for $420, and the market's gone up a little bit from there. But the reason why I haven't executed my rent-to-own option was because even if I put 20% down, so $84,000 as a down payment, between taxes and condo fees, my mortgage payment monthly is going to be more than what I'm paying in mm-hmm. rent. So I could stay in my rent-to-own option for a lesser number every month, right? Which is still yep. more than what rent would be. Mm-hmm. So I rent my unit out next door for twenty three fifty. Mm-hmm. I pay twenty four seventy seven to my, you know, seller yep. current owner, and she's still making money on that. But it doesn't make sense to lay out eighty four thousand no. to have a twenty five hundred a month payment on the no. same unit I'm paying twenty four seventy seven yeah. for. It exactly. doesn't make sense. At all. And that's why I feel people like, you know, are still kind of, we talked earlier about emotions, right? They want to buy that unit just to say they buy that unit, but yeah. it's not cost effective to what you could rent it for. Yeah. And the other thing that is ironic that people are doing in the area is they are renting and they're renting something smaller and then they're buying somewhere like North Jersey, out west a little bit, something where they're buying for like 300 400 way cheaper and they can go there on the weekends and it's still only an hour and a half away and their kids can have a backyard on the weekends, but you know, maybe they work in the city and they just don't want to commute. So it's like a weekend home. Yeah. And wow. I have, I mean, I have clients who are renting like a luxury rental around 4,200 for a two bedroom in Hoboken and they're buying like upstate and in the middle of nowhere because they want that balance. But do you agree with that strategy to like rent here and buy somewhere cheaper or for somewhere else? For them, they want to eventually live in the suburbs, so it makes sense for them. I think it makes sense depending on what you're renting. I think 4000 is a little absurd. Like that's just 50, like 50000 a year. Yeah, that's just absurd. <laughs> but for like a lesser rent and then buying elsewhere, like I've always discussed this and my sister will, and I will probably start investing in more vacation homes that we rent out on Airbnb and do stuff like that because, yes, you're not getting guaranteed monthly money, mm-hmm. but the projected income via Airbnb being, you know, a place on a ski mountain is insane compared to, like, buying a downtown Jersey it City condo sense. and it's renting fine. it out Actually, to people on, that can't afford it. <laughs> on the subway coming here today, I saw – I was standing there because I like standing out like sitting because you never know what you're sitting on the subway. It says <laughs> – Literally, you may never know why pigeons are so loud, right? So I'm like, what pigeons? And then it says, but you can learn how to stop illegal short-term rentals, right? So basically, it's telling people how to stop Airbnb, specifically in New York City, which obviously Jersey City's talked about doing away with it Mm -hmm. as well. So do you have any future concerns on, like, you know, the government or local politicians and authorities doing away with Airbnb? I think an owner should have the option. Option. Correct. Unless you're running like, you know, like a however prostitution house. Yeah. Can't do that. There's a new thing on our area. Prostitution house? No. (laughs) Companies are renting apartments that have been on the market for a while and Airbnb being them out. So doing a sublease. All the hustlers in Harlem were doing that like five, six years ago. It's absurd. Yeah. 
I don't know if they're making money. I really would love to see their numbers, but they always refuse to give you numbers. Mm-hmm. Basically, it sounds absurd. I guess people are doing it. They're doing it in Journal Square. They're doing it in Burn Lafayette. I've seen a couple in the Heights. I'm okay if they get cracked down on. It doesn't really affect my life at all. But I think Airbnbs are needed in any city. I'm always pro-business. I'm always pro-entrepreneurship. Yeah. I'm always pro-outside-the-box like outside the box yeah. thinking, right? And for the first, this is the truth, so for the first time, so I have unit six and sevens, top two floors, one guy owns unit two, three, four, and five. So it's the mm-hmm. bottom four units under me, you know, second floor, first floor, and there's a walk-in on the first floor, right? Okay. The actual first floor, ground yeah. level. So he decided to do Airbnb in all four of his units, right? And I'm like, listen, I respect it. It's a business hustle, Right. But what happened was I came home one night, mm. like late night, 9, 30, 10 o'clock, like in a suit and time, tired, and he wasn't answering his phone and I had four people sitting on the stoop to my <gasps> building. He's like, yo, I can't get in. And I'm like, no. I'm like, all right. Well, I'm like, well, listen, I'm all for like, you know, getting you guys in, but I need proof that you're Airbnb. <gasps> so now whatever, I had to do his job. Truthfully, they showed me the receipt that randomly had to be from my hometown, funny enough, they were way uh. younger. I didn't know them though, right? <laughs> They showed me the receipt, and I like I know how to like break into the locks. So mm-hmm. I opened the door, like let them in. I texted the landlord, like, "Hey, listen, I know you're doing like, Airbnb. I like I saw your receipt. I broke into it because they're sitting yeah. outside. Like they're they gotta go somewhere. It's yeah. messed up. Sorry, it won't ever happen again. Two nights later, no. different tenants come in, <gasps> and they come in like with a ruckus at like three thirty, four o'clock in the morning. And they wake me up. Now I don't know them. I can't go down. And be like, hey, be quiet. Like mm-hmm. they're treating it like a hotel. Mm-hmm. And to make it even worse, they climbed up the fire escape and went on my roof, which is a private roof, right? Now again, what am I supposed to do at three thirty? I have oh, a ten month old. Four o'clock in the morning, yeah. I go argue with these idiots. They're probably <laughs> drunk. They climbed up on the roof. Like I'm gonna throw doing them illegal off this things, roof. right? It's probably smoking weed, drinking, <laughs> yeah, whatever, yeah, yeah, right? Yeah. But now I'm like crap, like I live here, this is my home. And now I have to worry about daily, weekly, four different sets of strangers coming in and out. Like that's crazy to me. I've had a lot of, I, this is so, I forget how long ago this, probably two years ago, they were renting, loved their apartment. They wanted to move because the landlord Airbnb'd the other apartments and on multiple occasions, like there would be break-ins or they would have issues where they were being loud or sketchy people. And she had two kids and it was like, I'm not living in, I love this apartment. And I, but like, I'm not having two kids where like they're smoking weed downstairs is happening at 4am because these people are on vacation. That's a hard thing. I would say I wouldn't like that. I live in a, like luxury rental building that's 10 stories. And there are apartments in my building that sublease themselves. It is illegal per our lease, but people do whatever they want. So no one's cracking down on it either. But you can tell, like they're wandering. They have no idea where they are. It's like everything's like, let's take photos of this. And like people have lockboxes on their front door. Yeah, so I'm in front of my building, there's six lockboxes. Yeah. I'm like, what? Yep. What are you doing here? Mm-hmm. It's hard. I think they can crack down a little bit in our area because. Well, I think I respect a landlord, in a, especially in a small six, seven unit condo building. Have respect and ask before you do it. Like get yes. my blessing. Just as a common courtesy human, right? Like mm-hmm. We're neighbors, right? I'm not here to hurt you. I'm more than reasonable and I'm in the same game, but not asking me and then I think coming it home to be, that. It's kind of like, yeah, well, you yeah. Know. It should be monitored a little bit right. and respectful, but 
I mean, Airbnb is a huge thing right now and people buying properties. And I mean, I have a friend next year getting married. So literally last night we were on Airbnb home away planning her bachelorette and the amount of homes that are under like companies that buy homes, renovate, furnish, well, and then do. You, if you're a landlord, you can't use a company. You have to use your personal name. There's some big conflict with that because I think Airbnb, Airbnb started cracking down. Oh, on like recently. company rent. Like you said earlier, oh. like some companies renting it and airbnb it because then there's basically. No, they're not renting it. They own the oh, property. They, oh, oh, yeah, really? yeah. Oh, but yeah, they like the have a business. Gotcha. They like buy the homes. Interesting. And then, this is Miami. So. Yeah. So. I have no idea. So my friend Amal, who was on a previous episode, actually bought two units down in Miami in part of Miami made a ton of money on okay. that. And then part of that part of Miami did away with Airbnb and they actually assessed her like $20,000 oh. in fund. They got caught. She got caught. So again, listen, there's still a lot of obviously hotels and politicians that are fighting against it and they're probably going to win because they have more money than your average resident. Yeah. But you know, I agree with you. And like, if you own a property, you should be able to do what you want inside the walls within respect, within to, respect you know. to other, to Correct. your neighbors. Correct. It's hard in, in, in like the, Miami world where it's like a home, yeah. do whatever you want. Yeah. Yeah. In Jersey City, if it's like a multifamily and you're renting every unit out to Airbnb, do whatever you want. But if it's like a larger building and they're creating some type of ruckus and stuff sure. like that, it is annoying. I haven't heard enough horror stories right. to have like Me an either. aggressive opinion. So tell everyone how you balance, you know, work and play. So it seems like <laughs> you have a good, you know, structure that you might go out on a Friday, Saturday night and then still show up next day at seven, eight o'clock in the morning. That's not true. Six actually. o'clock for yoga, whatever you do. Or do you post the same video like, hey, I woke up at six o'clock, but you really didn't? (laughs) No. No. So I typically never go out on Friday nights, especially if I'm working on Saturdays, just because I will I will be miserable. You learned that though, I'm assuming. You didn't just think of that. Absolutely. Hard way. I turned twenty five on Monday. So I you know, I'm I'm still in that a couple Friday nights. Yeah, yeah. Actually, it was funny. I, like, became an old lady at, like, 19, <laughs> and then now I'm, like, becoming my age again, sure. where I'm actually You have doing, to go through that. Like, yeah, you hurdle. have to go through the, yeah, ups and downs. <laughs> Work and play. So my mom and I always talk about this, and I tell my sister this, too. You can't only do work. You have to do things that make you happy, or else you'll just be a miserable human, and what good are you to, like, the world? Sure. And if you're miserable, your work is going to be miserable. Your relationships are going to be miserable. Everything else is just going to suffer. And you're just not going to be fulfilled in any way. So I tend to balance like most of that. I mean, I don't, I'm trying to not sound like a, like I do whatever I want. But But I've always, I do whatever I want. I mean, that's a plus to real estate is you Mm -hmm. do you work every day, but you don't work nine to five every day. Right. So people are always like, oh, it's so nice. You can kind of just do whatever you want. But I'm like, I'm actually working every day, though. Like on Sundays when my friends are brunching, I'm still showing properties. Like and like working out? for a couple. No, absolutely so I not. Song, so I usually play a song for my guests, but it has to like come to no. me and flow. I'm going to play yeah. a song. Go ahead. Yeah. Continue. No, so you, don't, okay. you don't feel like you're missing so, out. So I have like friends who work in those fields where they work nine to five. They sometimes have late, late nights at work. Mm-hmm. And then they like party hard on Friday, Saturday, like on another level, like drink to the, drink you know, the they're, blackout. Yeah, yeah, they're like late twenties partying. And then on Sunday they all go for like hungover brunch and they've been so unproductive. And then they get back and they're like Monday scary, Sunday scaries. And I don't oh. even like that phrase to be honest with you. That honestly, when people say that phrase Sunday scaries, I'm like, 
But oh. you've had such a messy weekend that, yeah. like, you're scared to go to work <laughs> yeah, on Monday. Right. Like, what have you done with your life? Right, right, right. So I, I always <laughs> say that. Like, I work every day, but I may not work. I do work probably as much as other people, but I spread it out, and it's a little bit more flexible. And for me to stay sane, I need – my routines of like exercise and I. So what are your routines of exercise? <laughs> well, you know, no. <laughs> I just do yoga pictures. That's all I see. So I do a lot of yoga. I do a lot. I'm so sorry. I'm dealing it's with. Part a, of the business, you know? I'm dealing with a key situation. I've dealt with that multiple times. So when I actually bought my condo, the listing agent was a total dickhead. And he told me that he left the key at his office. So I go to his office when I'm buying the unit and they're like, no, there's no key here. So it actually was a company that actually run their softball team for. Mm -hmm. So I called the owner, one of the people that works for the owner company. I'm like, Hey, I'm like, I know you have cameras in your office. They're like, yeah. I'm like, can you do me a favor? Can you go back and play the video for the Dropbox? Right. And show me if a key was dropped off. I have a text message from the guy saying, I dropped the key off at whatever, 6.37 a.m. I'm like, that's funny. I'm looking at mm -hmm. your corporate recorded camera. You never dropped the key off, you lying sack of shit. Mm -hmm. And I actually had to pay for a locksmith to let me into the oh. condo I just bought. This is like not that bad. It's my listing. This is your song. You know song? This is my song for you. You know song? Wait. Yes, I do. But why don't I know it? Yeah. <laughs> It's like bitch, bad and bougie. That's kind of like you feel like this is, that's your song. You know, what I'm a little bit. I is guess. Is it kind of your anthem, or you want a cooler song? I don't know. I don't really have. I have such a weird. I'll listen to like classical music while working out. Sometimes. Are you bad and bougie or not really? A little bit. I'm definitely bougie. I'm going to Montauk tomorrow on a plane. That's bougie. Like that's bougie yeah, as yeah, yeah, fuck. Yeah, yeah, that's true. <laughs> like I'm flying a freaking. That'd be fun though. Ugh. Yeah. I don't like small planes. I hope it's a big plane. I don't like small planes. It's a nine-passenger plane, and I'm scared shitless. Yeah, I've like never been on a small plane before, and I don't know how I feel about it. I'm, I am like think I'm carrying anxiety with me <laughs> right now because of it. What were, so what were we talking about? Keys. Key issue, Key. before oh. issue. Oh, how do you balance work, <sighs> lifestyle? Work life. I don't think I do. I might. Ugh, I don't know. Uh, I probably should work more. I'm very fortunate. That sometimes I don't need to work more. It is what it is, though, right? You know? <laughs> it is what, yeah. I'm fortunate. Yeah. Nothing wrong with that. So there's a, there's, I know. A, there's a subconscious theory that being fortunate is like a bad thing. I know. You're fortunate. Like I'm fortunate. Yeah, you're blessed. I just don't think I would be happy if I didn't do all the things I do during the day. And, you know, I have a dog, so I have to be home a lot. So I work from home a lot. Mm -hmm. um, I go to yoga. I do spinning. I have to work out every day pretty much. Mm -hmm. I don't know people that don't do that. And I also think the guys in my office that are very successful that don't make an effort for personal time are actually kind of miserable regardless Completely. of them loving their job yeah, and making a ton of money. Right. Like they own everything they wanted in life and like have this like great, amazing life, you know, doing the bachelor thing at yes. like 40 years old and like they're cool. They've got a thousand dollar car. They've, yeah. yeah. They've yeah. got their cars that they love and yeah. like they're killing it, crushing life. But like, are you actually, are you empty are you, on the inside? So that's interesting. So talk about dating life at 24, 25 and how your career 
could be impacted, right, by yeah. your relationship and how your relationship can be impacted by your career because it's almost like you have to be available more often than not, especially on weekends when your average person thinks like work hard during the week and enjoy weekends, whereas real estate is the opposite for the most part, mentally and physically. So I'm dating someone like newer now, and I think it's benefited keeping the pace of the relationship because I'm not available every weekend to hang out. So like kind of your, your buffer. It's like a buffer. It's like we'll spend one weekend together and then I won't see him the next weekend. So it's still like, new. it's still, too, it's still to new. It, yeah, exactly. Ooh. By the time this airs, you might not even be in a relationship. You know, right? Ooh, that's a, so true. <laughs> <laughs> Could be the wrong weekend. Could be a new relationship. Yeah. yeah I don't think there's any, I mean, I, I dated a lot. Mm-hmm. So I think it just, I think people put up barriers like, oh, I can't date because I'm focused on my career. It's I mean, like, it's no, so do you stupid. just not want yeah, to date? Right. Just not the right person. Then just say that. And then that person that you're dating is clearly not the right person because you don't even yep. want to spend time with them. You're right. acting like your career is like runs till 4 a.m. at night. Then you're just, you know, and if lying. it does run to 4 a.m., they'll understand. That's, yeah. Right, so I don't think it affects it. I've been having this conversation a lot with some of my girlfriends who – have this perception that like if you date someone so like we're in our mid-20s that if you date someone seriously right now your life could be over and like fear yeah and like you're not going to focus on your career because you're going to be in a relationship and i just don't agree with that i don't think that that i think most relationships do hold you back rather than propel you forward from looking at an overall macro standpoint of people that i know including myself in relationships more relationships provide negative due to lack of communication usually and intention versus being with the right partner that could be a catalyst to you you could be with the right person that helps you out in your career no it's so true and i always reflect on my parents my parents got married young were together very young had my sister and i very you know in their 20 mid 20s so my parents are young and my mom didn't have a career before us. And the only reason she has a career and she's so successful is actually because of us. Hmm. Not to go on like a off tangent about that, but she was a history major, stay at home mom. My dad's an engineer and he was like obviously paying off loans and working. He was working at J and J when I was like really little and my mom really really wanted us in a Montessori school, mm-hmm. but they couldn't afford it. And the only way they could afford it was if she worked at the school. Oh, wow. Smart. So she became an assistant teacher just because. Yeah. Tui- free tuition. Not even. Like, they were still paying tuition because yeah. her salary was so little. Yeah. They were so basically paying a portion. And she worked her way up to get – that's more awesome. tuition. Yeah. And she runs a school in Jersey City with 400 students. Oh, wow. And is kind of like. Still today. To the, yeah. That's pretty impressive. She runs Hamilton Park Montessori. And huh. in the Montessori community is actually a huge. She goes to a lot of conferences and Great speaking network. engagements. And very high, highly respected. And, she's, and she did it all for you guys. And she did it all for us. Wow. And she would have never. No, I mean, she was a history major. Sure. So I always tell my friends that story because I'm like, you have no idea where your life is going to take you. And if you're sitting there, I'm a very weird, <laughs> oh, this is hard. I think I I was forced into adulthood very quickly in life that I think that. That's why you're so far ahead. Mentally. Probably. 
that when I look back, if I had sat there mentally being like, I have to be successful by a certain age, I have to, I have to have this by a certain age, so that you're just not going to actually enjoy what yeah, you're doing. Completely. And putting any timeline on anything is just going to. I mean, you're so far like wise beyond your years. I mean, there's most 24, oh, 25, 26, 27. Years I sound like I'm, I'm aging myself. Did you stage this or no? You like, pretended? No, no. I, I, I truly was forced into growing up, growing up very quickly. What advice would you have for people that are girls in particular, women in particular, 15, 16 year olds, right? That are about to like grow up and go into adulthood, right? In early years yeah. of college, you're a college graduate and then you're a 25, 26 year old that might be lost. Well, you're lost because you went to college too soon, probably. I think that not everyone needs to go to college. I, I don't think that everyone needs to be a lawyer or everyone needs to be a doctor. Specific people might need the structure of college. Other people might not. Most of my education has been from doing. Real life. I've had job offers from, like I said earlier, all of those interviews that I got, all of those companies said they needed someone with a BA. Right. And you probably would have kicked ass more so than the people that actually hired. Yeah. You're a doer. And it was like, must have a college degree. Right. And I was like, and I literally would write, I don't have one, but here's my resume <laughs> right. in case you want to see it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, exactly. So I don't think everyone needs to go. And I also think kids go too soon. And this is like back on education. And because my mom is in education, we talk about it so much that we're losing the, oh, I'm forgetting the word. Everyone wants to be something. It's not that they're not. No, 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 no. <laughs> Like cleaning companies are sick, are making six figures or more. Completely. And, you know, these jobs that are needed, everyone's becoming a marketing expert. Everyone's becoming Social a realtor. media marketing Everyone's expert. becoming a lawyer. Everyone's going into, you know, all of these jobs that are cool and this and that. And I had a conversation with my friend who knows a guy that started a handyman company because people just like – stop knowing how to do shit like, in their house. Like, and they're like, and- yeah, they're like hiring him to change a light bulb. So like those jobs are picking up. Yeah, there's nothing wrong and you can make a great income. What I'm trying to say is that not everyone needs to go to college or needs to go to college that fast. And, uh, you know, I was, I always say I was thrown into being an adult early, but I think it was the best years of my life having jobs where I was responsible at 16, 17 years old right. for showing up to my shift, for, um, you know, being responsible, yeah, being held up on responsible. Time alone is hard enough for oh people. Oh my God. It's like, oh, you're late. You're on, no, you're late. I saw you posted something on Instagram a couple weeks back. You were like, this person's 35 minutes late and just now decided to tell me that they're running late. <laughs> like, what? Yeah. This is common courtesy. Forget common, about everything else. Yeah. You know? Yeah. So do you blame that on the parent or the person, even if they're 50 years old? I mean, like, that's something that is instilled in you, like, parent. common cur- parent, right? 100%. Yeah. Is I your mom a tough cookie? She's not. She's just amazing. Kids are going to have a hard time. There's a generation who are right now, I th- not to be harsh on you. There's what do you a, mean harsh ugh, on me? Because it's your generation. <laughs> um, My generation? <laughs> I don't know generation there's a generation with kids that are, like, 30... Like mid thirties. Right, I'm not there yet. Oh, okay, I'm, I'm early. 30s, early thirties. Yeah. Okay, sorry. <laughs> um, yeah, like thirties to forties, and because they took so much time for themselves, they don't know how to give their time to others. Absolutely. And my mother calls that a me generation. Mm-hmm. 
I it means that. that it's all about them and it's not about their kid and their kid will just show up to whatever they want to do. And that's only okay in some circumstances. I like die when I see kids like at a bar at 10 p.m. at night. I'm like, they don't Ridiculous. need to be here. Newborns. This is abs- Literally newborns. But like, why are you here? Yep. Are you really like, what? why do you need to be here? And that's Selfish. that, but that's also our area of like Jersey City and everyone goes out and everyone does stuff. I feel like you're missing out. But it's only going to change how kids act, you know, later in life. So do you think parents need more like parenting schools, oh, education they or do. what? Or do you think some people just shouldn't have kids? Some people shouldn't have kids. You gonna have kids? You gonna have kids one day? Oh, absolutely. Five, three, three, four, three. I think you got middle child syndrome though. Is that, is what? that like middle child syndrome? Is that a thing? Yeah, I know. Middle child syndrome <laughs> is a thing. Actually, I don't know. One day for sure. I mean, I'm so young, so it's like I could down the road. Yeah, down the road for sure. That's the other thing. I've like I've always kind of held jobs that I can do other things, and that's kind of the beauty of real estate is you can pick it back up or leave for a bit or So do, do you think an 18-year-old getting out of school doesn't know what she wants to do for her career should look into real estate? No. No? You don't recommend it to anybody? No. I think <laughs> they should look into things that they are passionate about and even try to like spin it, you know, if they're passionate about numbers, how can they work with numbers in other fields? So they're telling their dad, let's go look at this $2 million house. You don't want them to ever get into real estate. Is that what you're saying? <laughs> they can. They can. They All can right. get into real estate. No, I. it's funny because I've done so many. This is my like fifth career move. By 25. By 25. There's and nothing wrong with that. There's nothing wrong with that. But I don't think it ends here. And my dad was a serial entrepreneur. Always? Still is? Still is. But in his field. So like engineer. he- Engineer. So he designs medical devices. Oh, really? So he- oh, That's pretty cool. Um, designs like nail screws for surgeries for like arms. So I broke my ankle. I have screws and plates in my there ankle. There you go. He's, He's designed, designed those oh, probably. Wow. That's pretty cool. Not those exactly. <laughs> um, he has a total ankle uh, replacement, stuff oh, like wow. that. But he forms companies and he's always kind of dabbled in different things. At one point he was in like face reconstructive, like doing stuff like that. I have hmm. no idea. But he always, always said that he loved what he did and he would never retire. And that in order to like be happy in life, you need to love what you do and not look at not doing it. Completely. And look to, oh, oh this will be great when I don't have to work. This will be great when I retire and I'm done. So I'm assuming your mother and father's relationship is awesome. It sounds like it's awesome. <gasps> it is. So like they set the, they like, set the bar they, pretty high, though, They're right? couple goals for, like, all of my friends. My <laughs> friends are like, are your parents going to So, like, they're there? madly in love still to this day. Yeah, they're, they're solid. Best they're, friends. They're best friends. They have no other friends. They are each other's friends. Who's the boss? My mother. Yeah, my mother. Has to be. My dad likes to think he's the boss, (laughs) so she just lets him think that he's the boss. She plays him. She plays him, yeah, yeah. No, I think, you know, my cousin is 18 or 19, and I kept telling her to just take a year off and, like, work because she had no idea what she wanted to do. And that's the thing. It's no one's, like, talking to her about what she could do. It's just, like— these are my options at college. Yeah, check off Business the box. degree. Yeah. I can go into psychology. I can go into history. I can be a teacher. This, that, and the other thing. And it's like none of that is interesting to her, but she has also never explored what she's interested in. Mm-hmm. So at what point do you think you went from being that 
18, 19, 20-year-old girl, right, mm-hmm. to that 24, 25-year-old that other young women can look up to? Because it seems like you're on the right path, and, like, I feel like people should try and, like, follow you. Like, maybe, like... I know. Mm. You know? You don't think so? You don't think you're, you're, like, a good role model? I mean, you're saying things to, to younger women that most yeah. women, women don't say, right? Yeah. They're like, go to Wall Street, be a boss, put yeah. on a suit and tie. You're like, no, 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 do what you love to do. Yeah. So I keep saying this like I had to grow up fast. Mm-hmm. So I just like to rewind a little bit. I started off as a ballet dancer my entire life. I was homeschooled since I was 11. Wow. So like my social skills were because I was socializing with adults or I was, you know, I still was with people. People are like, oh, you're so social you for someone that was. You closet, did you? No. <laughs> you're, so, you're so talkative and friendly for someone that's been homeschooled since they were so young. It's like, like I wasn't in a closet. Like, yeah, like, was I in the basement learning? Um, so, yeah. So since that time, my mom was either driving me to the city for a ballet class or at 13, 14, I was allowed to take the New Jersey transit alone. Wow. So I take the New Jersey I transit. I could without my helmet until yeah. I was like 15. Yeah. <laughs> and take the subway. Sure. And my parents were like very like, Kira can do this. And it was like, I had to grow up. But they instilled confidence in you that you could do they it. They instilled confidence in me that like, I could. They were like, don't get robbed. No. They were like, you got this. My sister, was, my sister, like right now, she's 26. Like they check on her at like 8 p.m. And they're, they're like, are you home yet from dinner? Like so they, treat, you. To, they treat her totally different. She's like, I'm an adult. Hmm. Why do you check in on me? Yeah. <laughs> not. Yeah. But they just trust that I'll like find my way. Do you feel like siblings in that sense, like there's always one that has it and one that doesn't have that abil- ability to like, stand on his or her own two feet? So I feel like it's common in households. Sometimes I think they just didn't, like she was the traditional kid. She went to prep school. She played on the field hockey team. She was a swimmer. She had straight A's. You were just bad and bougie. Yeah, basically. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like the ballet dancer, free spirit, great at school, but I was homeschooled. And it was always like a thing. And I think, you know, we talk about this now, but I was always outshining my sister because whenever it was like we appeared as a family, it was like, oh, but here's this this specimen that's homeschooled. And all of her friends were like this yeah. Kira. So interesting. <laughs> like she gets to do whatever she wants all day. Like what is this human? And I was like this, you know, exciting thing. So we always talk about it. It was almost like I outshined her. My mom would say like her, her light was dimmed sometimes because I demanded so much Attention. Attention, even though I didn't, like, need it. Does she resent you for that? Um, I don't think so. She's not, like, an attention-seeking person. She's not – she doesn't want it on her. But I think that we always have, like, family discussions how my – you know, her specifically. Like, she'll have a – she has a closer relationship with my parents when I'm not around. But when I'm around, it's like she picks on me a little bit. So you steal the show and she tries to bring yeah, it back down to reality. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Exactly. But I think, you know, it was it was a healthy – my parents had like two opposite kids, which is always interesting. And the one thing that I commend them for was my path in life was not for everyone. So I was homeschooled. I ended up just being like, you know what, I've learned enough. Let me just get my GED when I was 16 they were okay with that, which is crazy. So I like had this weird path in life and my parents were so supportive and they were like, how can we make this good? Like, what should you do next? When I stopped dancing, this is even weirder. I I don't know why my parents let me do this. When I stopped dancing and I was 16, 
And I was like, I was like, I can't do this anymore. Emotional breakdown. I had like, you need know, a therapist. Yeah, I need a therapist. <laughs> um, I got my GED and like my or no, I was going to either get my GED or my parent. My parents gave me the option: you can go to prep school in town and just like start school again, or you can get your GED. But what are you going to do after your GED? And I had all these options. One of the options, my dad was living abroad. My dad's traveled and worked overseas my whole life, was to go live with my father in Malaysia. Hmm. So I lived with my father for a year in Malaysia when I was 16 to 17. I traveled the whole area. I was constantly being, like, chauffeured around because it was business meeting. So it was like there was a car. You saw it all. I've seen it all. And, like, I did it bougie. And it was this eye-opening experience, and I wish I could travel and get paid to travel, but that doesn't happen. It could happen, maybe. Maybe I'll become, like, an influencer. (laughs) Um, But, yeah, so I I had this, like, crazy life experience living— At 16. At 16, and then coming back here to, like, a normal world. It's easy. Which was a little odd. Um, And people would always, like, be like, wait. You were where? Right. Is there a cell reception there? I'm like, yeah. In Instagram? Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> but but yeah, I was kind of, they entrusted that I would find my way in life, which was hysterical to me because I was like 16. Um, and then every time I've had like a new career move, they've been like, okay, like how can we, like what do you think, how can we make this work? Is this a business plan? Is this a long-term thing? So I think I need to get your parents on here. So the parents that are listening and the future parents, you got to set that up. Hook, yeah, hook me I up. I mean, my, oof, my we, mom's we can rough. We can get mom My here. mom will gladly talk about parenting Love any it. day. Oh, my, I need her on here. Any day. She will set you straight. So September is going to be back to school month and she could be the <laughs> catalyst of that. Yeah, we're taking your ass back to no, school. No, it's a little scary. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, no, that would be hysterical. But they're they're good people, and they raise me well. And I think that's the only – that's probably what I could offer in mentorship is because I was raised well is then – Sure, passing in, it down. Passing it down in some way, I guess. So what's one know. thing you want to leave the listeners with that they could deposit that to their brain? You already said it earlier. I'm not going to bring it up. If you bring it up, great. If you don't, think of a new one. That they should not feel rushed to be successful – that it'll come to them in something they're passionate about naturally, and that success doesn't equal a massive paycheck. And if someone's ready to give up right now, but they're listening to you, what's the one thing you want them to know? That they should just give do up. something. Oh, don't give up. <laughs> don't <laughs> that they up. should turn off their phone and do something that they love for like five minutes. Interesting. Just five minutes. For like five minutes, and it'll up their mood. So when I'm in a bad mood, like I just like dance. Interesting. So that's your passion. Probably. Well, I, <laughs> I should be. My mom's flowing, gonna listen yeah. to this and be like, "Kira, you should be a ballet dancer." Again. <laughs> Go back you to it. So it's never too late. Never too late. <laughs> so we start with "Hi, I'm Kira," and we're gonna end with what? "Bye, I'm Kira," or like, right? You say "Hi, I'm Kira." Oh, that's weird. Hi, yeah. I'm Kira. Bye, I'm Kira. I guess "Bye, I'm Kira." <laughs> <laughs> so where can everybody find you? Instagram? What? Instagram? Hi, I'm Kira. I like to post post property videos. That's kind of my thing. Um, and you can just follow my day and my travels because apparently everyone thinks I have this like amazing lifestyle. <laughs> and if you need real estate, where, 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 um, where should they contact you for? Hi, they can contact me at Hi, I'm Kara. Okay. I love working with renters. I don't know why. I'm kind of one of those people that actually enjoys it. Mm-hmm. I think it's because it's like more of a quick turnaround. Quick yeah. And those are kind of the people that 
need advice because everyone wants to work with an $800,000 buyer. No sure. one wants to work with a $2,500 renter. So, hi, I'm Kira. I will rent your apartment and help you get an apartment. I'll help you get a cheap apartment. Nice. Love it. Boom. Thank you so much for coming on. It's been a super pleasure. That and, was nerve-wracking. Uh, you can stop sweating, though. No, I'm still sweating. <laughs> <laughs> I've been sweating for, like, days. So, newsflash, if you're coming on the show, you gotta wear deodorant and don't sweat. Yeah, lots of perfume. <laughs> awesome. Thank lots. you so much. Do I clap? Do I if not? You want to, you can do whatever you want to.